I hope you've enjoyed the song service this morning and you've enjoyed being here at Oasis this morning. I am excited for where we are. I'm excited the series that we're in, Jesus, Real Encounters of the Man. And I hope that you enjoyed last week. Um, I know for me, there's, there's something a little bit different for me in my personal study when you're studying specifically Jesus. It's awesome to read the stories of Paul, and it's awesome to go through the New Testament and the Old Testament and to, to study all those different things, but there's just something that's just, I don't know, it's just a little bit different maybe when you pick up God's Word and it's the ones that are in red, and it's, you know the Gospels, it, it's, it's His life. And so it's been really awesome for me, and I've really enjoyed um, the last few weeks of just kind of going through and beginning this study, and um, we have a couple more weeks after today, but I, I hope that it, it has been as well for you, and, and I'm excited, looking forward to today, dealing with, out of John chapter number 4, the nobleman's son, and we will get there in just a moment, but I want to start this morning with the introduction, maybe, I don't know if it's a little bit different or not, but if we, if we go through, and there's a, there's a passage of scripture here in John over the course of a few chapters, really. But starting with where we are in John chapter 4, at the end of John chapter 4, all the way through John chapter 6, there's, there's a couple different miracles that are here. And I'm actually going to skip over, and I'm not going to preach on this, though I probably could. I'm not going to preach on John chapter 5, but I'm going to skip John chapter 4 for just a moment. And I'm going to go to John chapter number 5, and then I hopefully we can tie this all together, and it'll make sense to you why I did what I did. And, but as we go... We're talking again this morning about the nobleman's son and who gets healed. And as we look at this passage of Scripture, really even going back to last week and looking at, at all of John's, and, and John's miracles or the signs that John uh, writes about, all of them have something that take us specifically to kind of the salvation experience. All of the signs that John speaks of bring in, in, bring to light a different avenue, so to speak, or something different about salvation. And in salvation, last week we spoke specifically more a little bit on the Word of God, and this week we're going to look on faith. And as all of the different things and aspects of salvation kind of come together, but what we're going to do this morning, I'm going to go to John chapter 5, I believe that it's on the, the, the screen there, we're going to look at two miracles. I'm going to look at one in the introduction. I'm going to look at a second one during the series or during the sermon itself. Both of these actually tie together and kind of go into what we're going to be next week with, with Jesus talking about the source of life being the bread of life as Jesus provides food in John chapter 6 to a group of people. But as we look at John chapter number 5, I'm going to bring us to... Uh, again, a story that many of us would know, but in John chapter number 5, we'll start in verse number 1. It says, After this there was a feast of the Jews, and Jesus went up to Jerusalem. Now there is at Jerusalem by the sheep market a pool, which is called in the Hebrew tongue Bethesda, having five porches. In these lay a great multitude of impotent folk, of blind, halt, withered, waiting for the moving of the water. For an angel went down at a certain season into the pool and troubled the water. Whosoever then first, after the troubling of the water, stepped in, was made whole of whatsoever disease he had. And a certain man was there which had an infirmity thirty and eight years. And when Jesus saw him lie and knew that he had been 
Now a long time in that case, he saith unto him, Wilt thou be made whole? The impotent man answered him, Sir, I have no man when the water is troubled to put me into the pool, but while I am coming, another steppeth down before me. Jesus saith unto him, Rise, take up thy bed, and walk. And I want to bring us light to this, and I'm going to point out one specific question that is asked in this, this, this uh, group of verses here in, in the, the first, or chapter number 5. But I want to do so, and I'm going to take us from here, and hopefully I'm going to, my goal is to tie this together, and so hopefully that it does that. But in John chapter 5, we look at a passage of Scripture where most of us would kind of know this story. We know a lot of maybe the background of what this is, but we're looking at a man who has been withered, who has been impotent, who has been sick, who has been paralyzed, it says for 38 years that he would sit at the pool of Bethesda every day for 38 years. Now in my study and as I was looking at that, the possibility of what that man was is he was probably brought there somewhere in the time of as a young adult that his parents would have brought him there and basically left him there. And all that that man had for 38 years was whatever somebody would bring by him and give him. And whether he sat there with a bowl and asked for change or for money or whether he had something else there that would, he would get food or whatever it was, but that's what that man had. For 38 years he sat in that same place and he watched people come and he would watch gatherings and he would watch all of these different things. And then it mentions something about the the stirring of the water. And in the stirring of the water, and, and I, in my study, and I'd, I'll have to get much deeper into my study, but in the, my study, it isn't for sure, it didn't state that this was more of a, a folk tale, so to speak, in this time, or if it was an actual thing that happened that people would just walk in and the first person after the stirring would get healed. But my understanding was this is more of almost a folk tale. So many of the impotent, many of the sick, many of the lame would come to that area in hopes that they would get healed. And Jesus comes by there and Jesus knows where they're at and he sees a number of people who would have been gathered around this pool. I had the fortunate or the fortune of being at this pool just a number of months back in January and we would see some of these things and we can kind of picture it. But as, we're, as I'm sitting there, as I'm reading this passage, Jesus comes and he sees a number of people. It's not like he was the only one there. And here a man lays for 38 years wanting to walk, wanting to, to do something. I can only imagine being sick, being paralyzed my entire life, watching kids Growing up and seeing kids throw a ball, growing up and seeing kids run and see kids jump and see things that not even participating in maybe athletics or any of those things, but seeing the ability to do something. Here this man, 38 years, sat here, probably in his 50s or so. And Jesus comes up to him and he asks him this question. Basically, it's this simple do you want to be healed? In the King James, it says, wilt thou be made whole? But as I was studying, basically it goes back to that simple. Sir, do you want to be healed? I'm basically 
tying my whole sermon around that one question this morning. And as I stated, in all of John, there's, I believe it's seven signs or seven miracles that John writes about that are specific. And in each one of those, it gives us a specific detail or a specific thing, symbolism that would take us back to salvation. And as I was reading this, and as I was just going through it, and I was just asking God to speak to me, this man looks at him and says, but, but sir, Jesus, God, I have nobody to pick me up and put me in the water. Every time I come, I am doing all that I can. I am, I'm, I'm scooting along. I'm getting there, and every time I get close, somebody goes in before me. I have no man to help me. Jesus asks him that question, do you want to be healed? You know, I, I look around our valley, I look around our city, I look in our state, I look in our country, I look at a place in where we are, and I look at many people, and I've thought of many times where I've spoken to people and basically asked them that same question, do you want healed? Now, I have no power to heal anybody. But I don't know how many times I've asked the question, Sir, do you know Jesus Christ is your Savior? And I've shared a whole plan of salvation. And I've basically said, Listen, do you want healed? And they've looked at me and said, I'm just not ready. I've got to get my stuff together. I I have this issue over here. And once this all comes together, maybe I'll come back. And here Jesus looks and he stands and he looks directly at this man and he says, do you want to be healed? And basically the man says, I'm dying to be healed. Every time I try, I'm trying, I'm trying, I'm trying to get there. I just don't have anybody to pick me up and put me in there. And he looks at him and he says, take up thy bed and walk. We're going to go to a passage in John chapter number 4. And I believe it all kind of ties together, as I stated, a lot of these, all of these signs and miracles that John talks about have implications or symbolism of salvation. And so many times in our Christian lives and so many times in life in general from those that may not know Christ, the question can be asked is, do you want healed? And so many times, though we may not say, no, I don't, we basically say, no, I'm not quite ready to be healed. And in our Christian lives, how many times have we gone to God and maybe it's even been on this altar, but maybe after a sermon you've came down and and you've got on your knees and you've bowed down at an altar and you've said, God, forgive me, or God, I need this, or God, I need to do this, or whatever it would be, and you walk away thinking, man, that was a great time, that was a great sermon, that was a great whatever it was, and we walk away Saying, God, I need you to heal me, but not really wanting to be healed. And as we get in John chapter number 4, we're going to look at a, a man, it says a, a noble, a nobleman. Which basically is this. He worked under the ruler. He was, it would have been, maybe you would, in our state or our country, we would say it's the, the, a nobleman would be one of the guys that were in President Obama's cabinet. He was up there with the, the people of the people. He had access to the greatest of the great. He had everything at his fingertips. 
If he needed something, he probably at this, from my kind of reading and my studying, he could have went straight to the office and said, hey, king, this is where I'm at. And we read a story in John chapter 4 of a nobleman who was in a spot in his life who he personally wasn't in a need of being healed, but he had a son that had been sick. He had a son who needed that. And this morning, really what we're looking at is we're looking at a a man who is in the midst of what possibly could be considered the greatest crisis of any of our lives. If you have children and they've ever been sick, not just a cold, but they've been sick, you would kind of understand this gentleman. The crisis that goes through a a parent's mind and heart of, I want to do something, but I can't do anything. I'll never forget a moment in our lives as Mindy and I raising our children when one of my youngest or uh, my youngest daughter was sick and had a fever and that fever spiked and she went into convulsions. I'll never forget walking up the stairs. I'm, I'm walking up our stairs to go grab something, and Mindy just, Aaron, Aaron, Aaron. I'll never forget the look on my daughter's face of her going through that as her eyes rolled back, and she just went into a seizure. Now, we later found out that that's something that's fairly normal in the medical field, her temperature spiked and everything was okay. There was no big whatever. But I'll, that was probably one of maybe two moments that we were afraid for our child's life. I had no idea. Crisis. Thank God, quickly, we were on the phone and the 911 operator was able to say, you're going to be okay. The paramedics are on the way. Do this, do that, and everything was fine. Within moments, it was okay. But here, this man that we're going to read about, the crisis of his son who was ill, whose fever was spiking, who was sick, who had whatever the, the situation. It doesn't go into specific detail of what the, the problem was with this man's son, but this man was so I can imagine the crisis was so much. I could imagine he had probably went to the greatest of the doctors that he had the opportunity to go to. He probably did everything that he could, and he finally came to a place in his crisis, and he said, okay, I've heard that Jesus is coming by, and he took his stuff, and over the course of the next 20 to 25 miles, he walked to find Jesus in the midst of his crisis. And I could imagine at some point when he saw Jesus, there was a hallelujah moment, but at the same time going, I don't know if I'm going to get a chance to get that close to this man. And we're going to talk this morning a little bit about that question, and I want to keep it on our minds, is do you want to get well, or do you want to be healed? If you would go with me to John chapter number 4, we'll start reading in verse number 43 to the end of the chapter. And we're going to read the story of the nobleman's son and the healing that comes. And I want to think in the back of our mind is that question, do we want 
to be healed? Do we want to be well? John chapter 4, verse number 43, and it says this. Now after two days he departed thence and went into Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Then when he was come into Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things that he did at Jerusalem at the feast, for they also went unto the feast. And as we look at that little bit there in those first three verses, we see that Jesus was, if we were to go back to chapter number three, Jesus was in Samaria. Jesus had just, um, was just with the, the Samaritan woman and we, we, if you, I would encourage you to go back and read that, but he's coming back and he makes the statement that a prophet hath no honor in his own country. Basically, they didn't really take hold and understand exactly who he was. And it says that he came to the Galileans who received him. They were excited that Jesus was coming back. If you remember last week, we spoke about the healing or the, the water being turned to wine that was taking place in Galilee as well. Verse 46. So Jesus came again into Cana of Galilee, where he made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he had heard that Jesus was come out of Judea into Galilee, he went unto him and besought him that he would come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. And Jesus saith unto him, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. And the nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come down, ere my child die. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. Then inquired he of them the hour when he, be, when he began to amend. And they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in the which Jesus saith unto him, Thy son liveth, and himself believed in his whole house. This is again the second miracle that Jesus did when he was come out of Judea into Galilee. Let's pray. Father, I thank you this morning. Lord, who you are. Thank you for the opportunity to open up your word, to worship you through the songs that were sung and now through your word. God, I just ask that you would speak through your word. Lord, that you would speak through me, the things that you've laid on my heart. God, that I would, as John states, hide behind the cross. Lord, we ask that you would be lifted up and you would be glory, glorified and honored this morning. It's in your name that I pray. Amen. This morning, we're going to jump right into it. And I'm going to ask that question again, again, thinking through that. Do you want to be healed? And we, we just read this passage, just read this passage of Scripture where Jesus is coming into Cana of Galilee. And we hear, we see that, that the nobleman knows that this man is coming, that Jesus is coming. And he leaves to go and to find Jesus. He takes his 20 or 25 mile walk, mile journey. And so we're here back in Cana where we, we just left off last week. Jesus had left Cana, went into Samaria and Jerusalem and was now back 
at Cana of Galilee. We don't know the exact reason why Jesus came back. I don't know if Jesus came back to kind of recultivate what was already planted the, the time before, if, if through the, 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 the water turning into wine, if Jesus was coming back to kind of stir that pot a little bit, to, to present a little bit more and to share a little bit more. We don't know exactly. It doesn't state why Jesus went back. But Jesus was going back through, and this nobleman who was inside of Herod's court found out that he was going because of the the illness of his son. The first point this morning is just this, crisis faith. And as we look even in our own circles, in our own lives, and all of the different things that we, we look at, I, I stated just in my introduction the, the crisis that must have gone on in this gentleman's head. Though he had went to, I'm sure he had went to Herod and I'm sure he had done all the things that he could do and, and he went to the doctors and he had the best of the best health care, so to speak, that they had at that time and he probably had the finances at his fingertips and he could do all those things yet nothing was taking place and in his crisis moment, just like many of us, we go, where do we go? Where do we turn? What do we do? How do I get this thing fixed? And this gentleman, this nobleman, hears of Jesus going to be just 20 miles away. And he says, you know what? I've got to go. I've got to go and I've got to talk to Jesus and I've got to let Jesus know, Jesus, you've, you've got to come back. Jesus, you've got to come and heal my son. Jesus, my son is dying. And he asks him that specific thing, Jesus, come. And the first thing that he does, Jesus looks at him and he says, Except you see signs and wonders, you will not believe. And again, as I studied and as I looked into that passage of Scripture, I think all of us would go, wait a second, man, he's just pretty much slapped this guy in the face and said, what a sec, wait a second. You just look for a sign from me? You can't believe outside of a sign? And the man just, he doesn't even bat an eye. He says, no, Jesus, you've got to come ere my son dies. This man is in the midst of of crisis. Again, I can only imagine the the things that were going through his head. Let me say this, in crisis faith we go to lengths, maybe that we wouldn't at other moments. His crisis caused him to travel those 20 or so miles. This, cross, this crisis caused him to leave what was home, to leave what was comfortable. I could imagine that this gentleman probably didn't have much need outside of what he was living in under the rule of Herod. I could imagine that this guy had not, hardly any crisis in his life that would cause him that he couldn't go to the people that were right around him and say, listen, here's the need, and it was fixed, and it was dealt with right at that moment. But here he was in the midst of crisis, in the midst of a time where... Nobody could do anything, and he sat there empty, hearted, hurt. My child is about to die. You know, many of us have sat in crisis after crisis after crisis, and it may not be our children, and it may not be any of those things, but I could imagine if any of you, if you know Jesus Christ as your Savior today, you came to a point where there was a crisis in your life where you understand there is nothing else that I can do. There is no more that I could work. I can't do this more many good deeds. I can't do this. I am in need of a Savior and of an Almighty God. The ultimate crisis that 
we came to at a point in our life where we just bowed our knee and we said, Jesus, I need you. For some of us, that crisis moment came as children being brought up in a Christian home. For some in this room, that crisis moment was maybe as an adult where you realized it wasn't all the money that you were making, when you realized it wasn't all of the the things that you've accumulated, when you realized, I need something, there has to be something bigger and better out there than what I'm able to do. The crisis moment of salvation for many comes in different ways. I love the song that we sang just prior to me opening up God's word. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. Or not, (laughs) that's how great thou art. I love that song too. But blessed assurance. Because each and every one of you has your own story. This is my story. This is my song. Praising my Savior all the day long. My crisis moment wasn't at a death's bed. My crisis moment wasn't in the midst of any real hardship. I was just a child. But I realized as a child, I needed something that I couldn't provide, that my parents couldn't provide. And I probably realized it a whole lot more as I grew up as an adult, as I grew up into my teen years and into my young adult years. And there's been situations in my life where I've realized a whole lot more the crisis of my need of a Savior. But at that moment as a child, I realized the need of a Savior. Sitting in a campground at Cuddy Sunset Park, G24, I think it was. 14, 24, I don't remember. When I asked Jesus to come into my heart. You know what? This man came to a place in his life where he was at the midst of a crisis where no doctor could heal his son, where nobody could do anything. And he came to a place and the crisis in his life was such that he realized there's only one person that could do anything about this. I've got to find Jesus. He got, whether he got on a donkey or whether he just started running or whatever he did, he traveled that 20-something miles and he found Jesus. Can I say this morning, this man was in the midst of a crisis and there's moments in our lives where we have crisis. There's moments in the midst of that crisis where that question is asked, do you want to be healed? Do I want that? In the midst of our crisis, I have to answer that question. Am I really willing to take that step right there? This gentleman had to ask the question, am I really willing to to walk away from my son? Am I willing to leave my son back there to go and travel these 20-something miles to find Jesus in hopes, in hopes that he would be the healer that I need him to be for my son that these doctors just can't do? Am I willing to go the the extra step to get the healing that I need?
Let me say this, and you can put this on the screen. I believe you have it. In our crisis mode, it's not if we want the healing, it's are we willing to go to the healer. We all have crisis situations, and we're all brought to a place where we have to make a decision. This man was in his crisis, and he realized he found through hearing of the miracles and through seeing things that had done, that Jesus had done, he came to the realization, this is the only hope that I have, and I'm willing, and I've got to find out, but I've got to get that, whatever it is, I've got to take the journey to get to the healer. Let me ask you in your life, in our crisis mode, in your crisis mode, it's not whether we want to be healed. You know what? I could ask every one of you in here that's ever went through a crisis. Some of you are sitting in the midst of a crisis. Maybe it's financial. Maybe it is health. Maybe it's whatever it is. Let me ask you a question. If you're in the midst of a financial crisis, if I were to say, hey, do you want to get out of that financial crisis? Let me tell you what you're going to say. Absolutely. But when I then come to you and I say, here's the remedy to get out of your financial crisis. Now the rubber meets the road, so to speak, because guess what? You've got a decision to make. Am I willing to do this to get out of my financial crisis? Am I willing to do this to get out of the crisis that I'm in? Am I willing to go to the lengths that it needs to take place to get to that place? In our crisis mode, it's not if we want healed, because I'm telling you right now, we all want healed. It's a matter of are we willing to go to the healer? Am I willing to say, you know what? It's no longer about Aaron Flanagan. I've got, I've got to get healed, and I'm going to go get that healing regardless of what it costs me. And in my crisis mode, am I willing to go to the healer? Are you willing, willing, are you willing to go to the healer this morning? The second point is this, is confident, excuse me, confident faith. If we look in this story, the man had his crisis. He traveled the, the 20 or so miles that it took to get to find Jesus. He came to a place where he was right in front of Jesus. Jesus even spoke back to him and said, Except ye see signs and wonders, ye will not believe. And the nobleman saith unto him, Sir, come, ere my child die. Jesus then speaks to him. Jesus saith unto him, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And it says this, And the man believed the word that Jesus had spoken unto him, and he went his way. I don't know about you, and maybe I am crazy. But when I called the doctor that day, or when I called 911 that night when my daughter was on the ottoman or whatever she was laying on and she was i'm scared to death trying to act tough and macho as a dad on the phone acting like i'm not scared out of my mind trying not to bawl like a baby be tough for my wife you know how we have to do that right as i'm in that moment if the doctor would have said or the 911 operator would have just said hey Everything's going to be okay. I'm going to get off the phone, and there will be an ambulance there in the next couple days. Everything will be okay. 
I'm just going to let you know. I'm not going to be very confident. I'm not going to be very happy. I'm going to be extremely concerned about my daughter and the situation. Do you know basically that's what happened? This man found Jesus and he said, you need to come to me. The whole point of him going to find Jesus was to bring Jesus back to his house to physically touch and heal his son. And Jesus looked at the man and said, hey, go on your way. Your son is okay. I don't know about you, but that probably wouldn't make me too excited and happy. I traveled all this way for you to say, just go back home, your son's okay. But this man looks at Jesus, and it says he believed the word that Jesus spoke, and he went his way. Can I share with you, I believe, and maybe this isn't the right verbiage to be used, but I believe that this is a point in each and every one of our lives when you come to the place and the realization in your life that you need a Savior, it's this point where we accept Christ as our Savior. We have had our crisis. We've came to the realization of who He is. We've been taught. Somebody has spoken it to you. Maybe you've read God's Word, whatever that is, and you come to the place and you say, yes, He is God. Yes, I believe. And in the midst of that, I feel that's that moment of transformation in, our, in our, the insides of us, that Jesus just fills us, the Holy Spirit fills us, and we know Christ as Savior. Jesus, at this point, this man, basically came to that point and he saw Jesus he wanted Jesus to go to his house but Jesus looks at him and says son hey listen sir go on home your son is alive your son is okay and here's what's pretty interesting to me speaking of confident faith The man believed and went his way. But if we were to skip down to verse 52, it says, Then inquired he of them the hour when he began to amend, and they said unto him, Yesterday at the seventh hour the fever left him. You go, why are you you putting that out there? He had the confidence to not run home. But he stayed where he was before making the journey all the way back home where he encountered the people. In my studying, it stated that when he met Jesus, it was coming into the evening They didn't travel in the evening for fear of, for safety reasons. I don't know about you. If my child is dying and I was told, go home, he's okay, I'm going to do everything that I can to get myself to where my child is to see that everything is okay. 
the man had the confidence to say, you know what, it's probably not wise for me to travel at this time. And he slept through the night. Maybe he slept through the night. I don't know. It doesn't give you that timeline. But he then traveled to the place where he ran into his servants who let him know, hey, everything is okay. Can I say, in our crisis, when we go to the healer and get to the place where we will do what the healer wants us to do, not just saying, oh, yes, I need healed, but actually following through and these are the things that you need to do, When we go to the healer, there's a confidence that comes from that because we know that the healer is who the healer is and Jesus heals all things, gives us strength for all things, and He is who He says that He is. And when we come to that place and the confidence that comes in our lives and in our midst, I can can handle all things. The song that we sung, Through You I Can Do Anything. I can, in the midst of my crisis, go and think, God, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. God, it'll be okay. Because why? I have a confidence in who the healer is. In the time when we don't understand it, I have a confidence in who the healer is. Now let me just share this with you. And I'll just make you really excited. The answer, the healing, may not be what you and I like. I think that's oftentimes part of our problem. I know I need healed, and when I go to the healer, I'm afraid of what's going to come out of what he tells me to do. But I can know for fact and for sure that he is the healer and that he will heal our crisis. If you want to put this on the screen, our crisis faith becomes confident faith as we believe in the word that God has given. Jesus spoke to the man, Go thy way, thy son liveth. And the man believed the word. I've been doing a study. I've been reading in my devotions personally in Psalms chapter 119, speaking specifically of the word of God. Our crisis faith can become confident faith as we believe in the word that God has given us. Do you want to have confident faith? Believe wholeheartedly in the word of God that he gives to you. You want to have confident faith? As you read it, proclaim it. As you read it, understand it. Get to know it. Learn it. Love it. Fall in love with this book. You want to have confident faith and move from crisis to confidence? Fall in love with this book. Believe in it. The next point this morning. Hey, can I let you guys know? It's raining. Just figured I'd let everybody know since everyone's going. Like it started raining before it was really coming down. Everyone started hearing it on the roof and then everyone's looking around going, what is it's raining. This, the next point, and the next two points are pretty quick, is confirming faith. It's confirming faith. 
You know, as we become confident in who Christ is, as we grow in who he is, and as we fall deeper in love with Jesus Christ, we begin to to have a lot of things confirmed in our lives. There's times over and over and over and over again in our lives where I, I pray that you've been able to experience this, but a confirmation of something that you have felt within your spirit, the stir within your spirit, and something took place, and, and God confirmed that in who you are. You were confident, you believed, and you stepped out on faith, and you did it, and God confirmed it in you. This man left I would imagine, and again, I don't know that this man was as confident to say, you know what, well, everything's okay, and God is good, and this is going to be perfect. But it says that he left, he believed, and then it says yesterday, meaning that he ran into the people, his servants, the following day. But as we look at this, the confirmation in verse number 51, And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Thy son liveth. And you know what's awesome? He didn't jump up and down. He didn't, well, he may have, I don't know. But it says in the next thing, he, he then asks them the question, Hey, let me ask you something. When did that happen? Hey, guys, listen. Tell me, tell me, when did it happen? And when they told him it was the seventh hour, he said, that's exactly when I believed and when Jesus said, thy son liveth. Man, I don't know what your confirmation situation has been. But when you get to a place in your crisis and you see through it and you believe and you put your, your everything into who God is and you get to that place where you're confident and you're going about and you've stepped out in faith. This man stepped out on faith. I can just imagine seeing his servants walking towards him. His stomach was probably stirring a little bit because they were saying one of two things. Your son has died or your son is alive and healed. And inside of him, he had to have been going, oh... God, I believed you. God, I trusted you. That Jesus, you said he was alive. And when he got to them and they said, your son liveth. They used the exact words that Jesus used. He says, hey, you know what? I got to find this out. When did that happen? When did this take place? You know when it took place? When he believed. Church. Christian, non-believer, we have crisis. That crisis leads us to an understanding that there is a healer that can do something about our crisis. And upon that crisis, there's a confidence. And in that crisis and in that confidence, we come to a place where it is confirmed in who we are, that Jesus is who he says he is. And based on that confirmation, there's a whole lot that takes place. Do you know why some of you sit in this room? Because somebody led you to the Lord because of a confirmation in their life. You said, what is it about that person? I need a little bit of it. Some of you sit in this room because of a confirmation of somebody else. There's no way that Jesus really could do all of that. If you knew who that person was prior to Jesus, you would never believe any of this. But the confirmation from the crisis to the confidence to God confirming in 
us. There's a confirming faith. What if we were confident in who Jesus says that he is? What if we were able to live with such a confirmation of our faith? What would happen? What would happen, let's just say this, within your family, what would happen if we confidently believed and allowed God to shine through us in confirmation? What would happen? You know, I can promise you one thing. Your home won't be the same. And when your home isn't the same, nothing around you will be the same. Your work situation won't be the same. Your church work won't be the same. The worship that you have won't be the same. The praise won't be the same. The way you read God's word won't be the same. Nothing will ever be the same. You might go, well, my job isn't changing. No, but you changed. And when you change, your job situation changes. Why? Because you don't look at it as, oh, I got to go to this place. I hate this place. You know, now you go to that place and you say, I really don't like this place, but this is where God has me. And all these people need Jesus. And I'm the difference that they need to see. God's confirmed it in who you are. The last point is this. When it's been confirmed, it is contagious. Listen, I'm just going to, I'm going to be as real, as real, as real, as real can be. When I began to study this and when I put all of these points together, here's what came to my mind is Oasis Baptist Church. Oasis Baptist Church is what came to my mind. Listen, we've seen a crisis. There's been a time where we said, what are we going to do? How are we going to do this? What's going to take place in this? And what's going to take place in that? And there was a crisis. And you know what we did? We did all that we could. And we went to the healer. We knew we had to go to the healer. And here's what happens. Then we become confident in who God is. And then we see God doing something. I don't know about you, but I'm seeing something happen at Oasis Baptist Church. And you may not go, well, there's not 500 people. There's not 5,000 people. I don't care. Lives are being changed. And here's what's going on. This is what's exciting. Is with that, when there's a confirmation in all of our lives and in our spirits and who God is in in us, it becomes contagious. Go watch a movie and leave and tell everybody afterwards that it's the worst movie you've ever seen. It becomes contagious. Put it on Facebook. We flip out over stuff all over Facebook, all over everything. Why? Because we, we read it and we go, oh, that's a bad thing. That's a bad movie. I ain't going to see that. You know, each and every one of us are contagious. Each and every one of us are contagious. When it's confirmed within me who God is, if you can sit still, there's a problem. If you get afraid to lift your hands and worship, there's a problem. If you are afraid to, to, to just let God worship through you and allow, and you're, and you're afraid to do those things, that's a problem. Now, I'm not saying if you don't raise your hands, you're not worshiping. That's not at all what's the point. But when we can't worship who he is, that's a problem. There's a confirmation that comes. And in that confirmation, in the stirring of what's going on, there's a contagiousness that comes in and through each and every one of us. 
Because he gives us confidence in the midst of a crisis, which God will confirm who he is. And in that confirmation, we will become contagious for him. Listen, church, I pray that in your life, you can go through those steps of crisis in going to the healer, not saying I need to be healed, but being able to walk to the healer and do what the healer has called us to do. I'm praying that we can come to a place where we would believe and have confidence in who Jesus Christ is and says he is. And I pray, as I know he will, because he's done it time and time and again in all of our lives, as he gives us confirmation. And through that confirmation, that each and every one of us would become contagious for who he is.